0: All systems, nominal. Gate has responded to IFF code. IFF read and accepted. Data transfer complete. Hello, fellow MechWarriors. I'm Adam. This is Dan. Welcome to the Memory Core. Dan, how's it been? What have you been up to since we last met?
1: It's been pretty good. Um, I've been working on the MechWarrior 2 Metallic um, tribute mechs for okay. a while I did the basing on them recently after you gave me some advice so yeah
0: yeah yeah some of the photos you saw it worked out using complimentary colors mm. it, it looks good yeah
1: so yeah I got my the clan wolf ones are done I'm waiting on resin crystals to come in for my clan ghost bear ones those are the, the bronze ones that I showed in the, the previous episode mm. and then what I'm starting on now since I have to wait for the crystals because I didn't realize I ordered them from someone overseas um it, it happens but yeah I'm, I'm gonna start working on my steel viper guys so on those i'm gonna stick with like they're gonna be silver like the wolf ones just brighter but yeah. i'm gonna work with like purples and pinks okay and that cool so.
0: cool cool yeah and like uh and you got the that metallic paint mm-hmm. i got you so that'll be cool yeah i'll be excited to see the nice how Vallejo. yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And silver
0: so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Leho metal color, the uh, pigmentation they use rather than like a mica flake is like actually ground pigment, like aluminum pigments. And so you get a really fine, it acts more like actual paint versus the metallics that what a lot of us are used to. Yeah, Army painter is thick. Two Cs. <laughs>
1: God damn not enough flow, not enough flow aid for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: uh, you know what? Um, I use a lot of Reaper paints and the reaper metallics um definitely have their share of problems too but the vallejo stuff works really really well um it's funny like you talk like you know what, what you've been up to and um you mentioned pigments and that's actually something that i've been discovering too is that um uh, you know pigments are really important and what our pigments do and how they act on the miniatures can make a, a big difference and uh, mm-hmm. i got here uh Della Rowney um white pigment titanium white this is uh Pigment white eight, that's the titanium white that you see in a lot of different uh, paints, and it's really opaque. Um, and then this is golden acrylic, their heavy body zinc white or pigment white mm. four, and they act very differently. Um, the pigment white four, the zinc white, tends to be very transparent. Um, so you wouldn't use this to build up, uh, you know, like a, a heavy white color. You would use your titanium whites for that. Um, the nice thing about the, the white ink is you're not as likely to get like the chalky stuff that you would using your normal white paint, uh, white paints. Um, you can get this heavy body acrylic in a titanium white, so it's really opaque. Um, and that's going to be a lot smoother than your traditional miniature paints. But where this zinc white really excels is blending and highlights. So um, a lot of times when you do a blue, um, or even like skin tones, you're adding white in to lighten it. Um, the, you get these really harsh lines. You know, you can try and blend them as much as you can and do like really yeah. gradual gradations and step ups, um, but you, you still get kind of harsh lines because of that white pigment that's added to them. You can instead start with like a dark blue, which is hopefully a single pigment, and then add increasing amounts of zinc white and you can get um, a very smooth transition because of the transparency of this. So, yeah, a little, little tip there. Tips from Adam. Because we're building a community, and we're going to share our knowledge in our community.
1: Yes, that that's what we're uh, going to talk about in this episode. With, yeah. You know, a couple tips here and there building a community. But before we're done with the painting thing, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you guys, if you use Army Painter washes, uh, you know, like in the, the little bottle, not the dips or anything, putting Flow-Aid in it really helps. For me, it's usually around a 2 to 1 ratio. So like Flow-Aid to... Yeah, wash, it, yeah it what it does is it, it kind of helps get rid of the coffee staining that it does yeah yeah and it, it's 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 helped me out a lot um because what i like to do is is i use the army like i'll use a light color and i'll go over it with the wash yeah. the coffee staining doesn't bother me there for the initial coat because mm-hmm. i want it to be as like dark or whatever i'm going for as possible mm-hmm. but like after the fact you know you don't want that staining you yeah can, you go back over it again yeah so.
0: and the coffee staining is tricky because as you dilute the paint more and more you tend to break down the medium and that's where the coffee staining comes into play because it's not going to hold itself together in a thin layer just the pigment just kind of like floats to the edges of the coffee staining. Yeah. or you just say screw it and do oil washes <laughs> that's that's like the best at the end yes yeah like 100 yeah. percent um Yeah, and that's something actually we're going to talk about in the future at some point is Mm -hmm. oil washes. Um, I got some miniatures, some tanks primed and put together. I just got to finish a project or two before we get to making that video. Probably do some shorts. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Something quick and easy. Um, But yeah, to circle back, you know, community. um, One of the things I wanted to talk about relatively, you know, briefly in the time we've got is, you know, community. Uh, Just getting together and playing the goddamn game. Having some fun in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, in my experience, you know, back in the day, and this was late 90s, early 2000s, there was a store in Joliet called Challenge Games. And it was run by Forrest Brown and Butch Leaper. And you guys may know them from the credits in TRO 3025 and 3026. And maybe some other stuff here and there. But yeah, they worked for FASA. They didn't leave maybe under the best circumstances, but well what are you gonna do who hasn't right um <laughs> but you, what they had done is when they had challenge games i mean it was a massive game store and it had probably a dozen or so like four by eight tables for terrain yeah. um, i remember i i walked into that store like on the tail end when
1: they were gonna demolish that mall and yeah was in, you know montgomery ward used to be in there like that's how old this mall is yeah um but I, I remember seeing all the tables in there. Their giant wall just plastered with BattleTech stuff, yeah. and they had like the giant—was uh, it the Space Marine too? Yeah, and it was there.
0: mostly like a Warhammer store. Uh, but I and mean, that was at the time when a lot of things are Warhammer. You know, eventually, yeah. like okay, War Machines stuck around for a little bit. There was a Lord of the Rings tactical game, although again that was put up by GW. Um, but it was a really cool place to be because you could go in there and you could probably just play a pickup game with someone if you were playing Warhammer I mean that was sort of at the point when Battletech was on its way out in terms of popularity yeah I remember they
1: they just set up a Dark Age display I think that was what had the uh, throwback to our second
0: episode the Tarkus tank oh yeah yep. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the, the Dark Age kind of ended up being a little bit of a revival because it was that sort of clicks game it was really easy to pick up uh, and that I mean in retrospect at the time I think a lot of us were really pissed off to see what Battletech had become with Dark Age but it did kind of put some wind in, in the IPs sales, so to speak, because people were interested in it again. There were a lot of emotions
1: just because it was post lawsuit, and you know the property yeah. was getting split up in so yeah. many different places. So it was
0: a bit of a mess, but uh, but yeah, you know, it, being able to walk into a store and play a game with a lot of people was a great feeling. And while I didn't play Warhammer, there were a couple people that I did play BattleTech with there, um, although it involved a little bit more like prep work and like, okay, yeah. do you want to meet on this day? How big do you want to make your four? So it was a bit of a different, you know, different time. Yeah. Different atmosphere, different Malou. Uh, but it, it's one of those things like it's nice to be able to walk into a store and then, like, there's loads of people playing. Even if you don't play the game, at least maybe you're just like chatting, you know, for like a good half hour and just about stuff. Uh, and so how do you get there? How do you make that happen? And that's tough.
1: Well, the the first thing is, I, I noticed that when we had our, we could talk about our game recently in a little bit um, at Wandering Dragon in Plainfield. Mm-hmm. But I think the nice thing is, is that presentation is another big thing when it comes to building a community from a game store. Because if you walk in, uh, for example, like they had that That wall of Battletech stuff, like, you could walk past. All it takes is someone to walk in there, like, they want to get in the game, they're going there to pick something up because they know it's there. But then Mm -hmm. if they see people playing at the table, you know, it could go two ways. Like, they could walk over and be like, hey, you guys are playing this, can I check it out? Or, like, you would see the person be like, hey, you want to see how this game works? We're doing a nice, quick, casual game. Yeah, You yeah. So presentation like that is a really big thing.
0: Yeah. Um, It definitely speaks to... I think one of the problems, though, that um, uh, maybe a lot of people are experiencing, and yeah, obviously you got to be there. You got to be playing the game. You got to mm-hmm. put in a lot of work at the start. I mean, starting anything it may not be very easy, um, but you got to have a place to play the game. And if you can have a place to play the game and you can show up, that's the easiest part. But the 2000s and the early 2010s was kind of a, a rough time for wargaming. Um, And you'll see, like, there's YouTube channels, for example, Little Wars TV that does a lot of historical gaming. And they'll show you, like, terrain building and all that stuff. Uh, Which, oddly enough, and actually pretty cool, is in a lot of these old Battletech rule books. Like, how thick do you make the hills for the different levels? What materials do you use? Um, But they actually created their own club at Little Wars TV. Like, they have a space that they got rented out, that they've renovated a place to store all their terrain all their game boards that's still pretty hard and the question is do you make or rent out a space to make that happen and where does that money come from you know wandering dragon had these tables you could rent out it was like 20 bucks for a set of like folding tables in a common area which is fine when there's not a lot of people yeah um, but they also have rooms that you could rent out for a couple hours but it was a, not a small amount of money so hopefully everyone's mm-hmm. kind of contributing um, so that's kind of on the tricky side but you gotta have a place to play and that might involve going up to the guys who run your local store and asking them can we make a space for this I don't know how easy it's gonna be you know
1: well popularity of the game is another thing that would you know contribute to that yeah
0: you know? I mean ideally with, with what they do at Little Wars TV is that they don't just play one game system you know they have basically a bunch of scenarios from different companies and that's different for us um, Ideally the space needs to be multi-use so that you can do different scale combat maybe you have different size terrain a place you can store that terrain maybe underneath the table um, but you've got to have a space to play first and then once you have the space to play, you gotta put the work into it yeah.
1: to go terrain or not to go terrain right it's hard
0: yeah and maybe you just need a place that you can a table that you can put down map sheets but you got to show up to make it work yeah well that the promising thing you know with um gen con and that the
1: alpha strike box with the um what is it you, you get like terrain actual terrain pieces in it like yeah. it, granted it's not like railroading terrain or anything but like they're nice little punch out cardboard things yeah You know, and another thing that would be really good is that I know they're doing it with like buildings and trees. Mm -hmm. They should find a way to do that with terrain features because having flat cardboard things like that that you can set up, very easy to transport, Mm -hmm. very light, and combined with things like the like their battle mats and like Mm -hmm. the the new aesthetic that these beautiful maps have, Mm -hmm. having like 3D features on there would really help make them pop and would give the game almost this unique feel where it's kind of like half of a board game, but also half of like a terrain kind of game, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and a lot of... Because uh, Line of Sight and Battletech is kind of wonky. It
0: honestly. can be. Well, that's it's what's nice about playing on 3D terrain. It's definitely a different experience. Um, you know, obviously having map sheets is great for a lot of variety, but there is something really special about playing on an actual you know terrain board mm-hmm. uh, with scattered terrain that you've set up and stuff that you've made. Uh, but it... it that visual impact is great because people walk by and they say, oh, what's that? You know, I want to I wanna join that. I want to play that. Uh, but, you know, you have to kind of keep showing up. And it is a little exhausting about building that community. But hopefully, if you're doing it enough, the goal is to get it self-sustaining so that, say, Dan and I get working on making this community in our area. So the Joliet, Sherwood, Plainfield, Crest Hill area. Um, and we get people on board. We try and invite people. We set the stage. For and the example for what the communities like, how we treat each other. I mean, you got to be welcoming. You got to be willing to meet people halfway. You got to mm-hmm. be willing to compromise on some things. But you got to get it to self-sustaining because you can't show up every time. That's it, that like gets pretty rough. There's almost like a
1: decorum, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to have when you game with other people. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: but you gotta, you gotta. You know, if you want to make a community and there's not one available, you've got to put yourself out there, and you've got to be willing to do a lot of the legwork, um, and that means probably doing a lot of thankless work to get there. But hopefully, with time, you make it happen. Yeah, investing in the
1: game is pretty thankless too. <laughs> I mean, you like like I like I do. I have those um, those plastic miniatures that I have for other people who don't have them. Mm-hmm. You know, which we used in our our, our little group we had for what, like a couple of years, my Cheeto finger max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good to have extras.
0: <laughs> well, you, you have to be willing to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a lot of foresight too, you know? So what's nice about now is that you know you have the internet. So in theory, it's easier to meet people, but it's still kind of tough, you know, especially yeah. in a post
1: pandemic world. You know well kind of post but yeah it's it's really hard yeah. you know not, there's not a lot of motivation to do to do things like this right, right now
0: you know a lot of people will say oh well you know whatever i'm not scared of the pandemic why you gotta be afraid of it but i think everyone really was affected by it even if they pretend that they weren't yeah um yeah so you gotta have a place to play which maybe means going to the store and maybe asking them what they can do you know when can you play do they have a table available? Because you don't want to just invite a bunch of strangers over to your house either and play in your basement unless you start to know them pretty well. Um, it's not going to be, you know, right away. I mean, I know for me, I mean, I'm barely comfortable letting Dan into my house, let alone a bunch of strangers. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, I'm barely comfortable in my own house. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so maybe it doesn't start with, with a terrain board, but maybe eventually you can get there. But you've got to have a place to play. You've got to make the effort. You've got to meet up you've got to put on flyers, to put up flyers, and maybe it only starts with one person. And again, they mentioned that at Little Wars TV. They mentioned that at, uh, was it Miniature Minions? Mm-hmm. Something like that. You know, the, the guy there. Um, well, even Battlebound has done videos. This, yeah, so like a community too. It takes time. It takes time. And I know, uh, you know, I was lucky to be in a time and a place when you had a really, I mean, Game was hopping. I mean, yeah, there were some dudes who didn't know how to shower, wear deodorant. <sighs> they really did not know how to wear deodorant. Um, it, unfortunately. But <laughs> you could walk in there, you could pick up a game, and you could play. Uh, you could meet people and maybe start something. And maybe you don't play that day, but maybe you just sort of chat around. Maybe you find out about person X, Y, or Z who knows how to play the game. And maybe you meet up with them next week. Or maybe you try and catch them when you can. Um, well, we have...
1: I mean, as of right now, I don't know if a lot of people who listen to our podcast know, but there is a Facebook group called Battletech Players uh, by zip code.
0: Yeah. that yeah. That's actually how we met um, Peyton. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the kid's name is Peyton. He's 16. He wanted to play. And Dan and I were like, yeah, sure, we'll corrupt the youth. Yeah. Um, and his mom was the one who actually reached out, which I thought was really cool of her. Because my parents... A, they would not have fucking done that. They'd be like, "You get your ass in your room and you study." <laughs> and I totally did not study. <laughs> I totally. I, just, I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really great that 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 she did that, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll play in August at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, you you've got to be willing to accommodate people and, and meet them maybe where they're at and. You know, maybe that means you play in an area you don't normally play or maybe it means you are willing to lose you know just sort of stack it so you're introducing them to the game and and you know playing a way you normally wouldn't yeah what, what was the process that you went through for
1: building the game that we had cuz i know you were touching on the standard for battle value a yeah. couple episodes ago too
0: yeah yeah i mean so you know, what we did was um you know the three of us so i said okay we'll do we'll do 2v1 and you know i took a 6k BV force you know dan had three and peyton had three um sort of like here it is here's uh the master unit list this is how you use it and this is how you create the force you want you don't have to use a miniature you don't have, you don't have to you know take a mech you don't have a miniature for it. you know mm-hmm. that, that's cool um but you know, here are the tips or things that you need to think about when crafting a forest um, and you know, how it should go down. Uh, and that makes it really easy. You know, having an or an, uh, um, an understandable and communicated goal is really important for what those games should look like and being very clear and concise. You know, it's like uh, when you approach someone for an art project that you want to commission, they got to have some idea of what you expect of them, mm-hmm. otherwise they're just, they, they don't know. They got no idea. Um, And so that made it really, really easy. Uh, of course, it, you know, one of the nice things was that uh, the mom you know, was very clear about what she was comfortable with us doing, which was mostly everything. I mean, you know, she uh, yeah. said like I, we had the permission to you know talk directly to him because uh, again, you know, you want to shield them from a little bit of stuff when they're so young, and like, we we're like twice his age. I know. You know? Um, Thankfully, he had Discord, which is great because we have Discord. We have our own Discord. You check out our own Discord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is get, finally getting his nod. Yeah. <laughs> creating her <our> Discord. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, you know, it wasn't like, you know, he had played before, but there was a lot of things that he wasn't very clear about. Um, and, you know, the goal wasn't to walk in and curb stomp the new guy. Oh, yeah. You, you want to make it enjoyable for him. I mean, not that, like, you need to hold his hand and that there shouldn't be, um, you know, punishment isn't, isn't the it's punishment sounds bad, but, like, you know, a dumb move should be consequences for making the wrong move. But it doesn't mean, like...
1: You're not putting an in- inexperienced boxer against, like, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Case in point, that's why you were on your own side. And, I, you know, it was probably better that I teamed with him because you're definitely a lot better and more fluent with the game than I am,
0: you know. I mean, yes and you no. Know, I mean, every once in a while there's a rule you forget. And Mm -hmm. being understanding about that, and understanding that. um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's you've got to work at it, and eventually, hopefully, at some point, like the new guy is going to know a person he knows, or you're going to find somebody else that's going to want to come along with. And then, with time and effort, hopefully, it becomes self-sustaining. Yeah, you don't need
1: to be there. We're hoping we could sucker his, his dad back into the game. Yeah, he, he was saying his dad was an old school fan too. Yeah, and introduced was, him to it. Yeah, he, he was going through some of his
0: old books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the nice thing about Battletech is you don't need a lot of resources to get into the game. Mm-hmm. I think because we, over time, develop a pretty large collection just naturally, uh, you don't need that many miniatures to play the game. that many resources you're willing to be like well cool if you want to learn how to play you know i've got xyz we'll put it together we'll make it happen whereas warhammer or historical war games or other ips involve having loads of miniatures and yeah that i mean you how often are you going to have you know a spare warhammer army to to play with
1: i know the beautiful thing is like i i another thing i did that I didn't talk about in the beginning was I actually purchased that uh, reinforcements box. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anyone knows about it. I recommended it to Catalyst for the Kickstarter and they said they were going to do it but somehow I didn't get the memo and they made a, an actual reinforcements box kind of like the old school ones. Oh yeah, just, the, it was all the the from the Game of Armor combat, yeah, right? Yeah. But the cool thing about this box is it actually comes with a unique double-sided map and it's like two maps big mm-hmm. um, for what was it uh one of them i think it was a map related to takayid and then the other one was oh my god what was what was the one where kai blew his mech up to take out? oh the, the uh the, the great gash the great gash yeah yeah Twilight that Cross. was the other one.
0: Oh, nice i'll have to check that and one out. and there's
1: some uh like terrain stuff with it and rules on like the tornadoes that were
0: like yeah. the sand tornadoes you know yeah. i'll have to check that one out Um, I don't think I I think you mentioned that to me but I don't remember actually seeing it I know it completely just
1: blew over my head but that's what I'm saying like they're they're just little cardboard standees you don't need the actual miniatures to play yeah
0: and we're in an era now where you can get Battletech products really easily that's really really nice because it used to not be like that yeah you guys are spoiled yeah (laughs) and I mean it's one of those things it's one of the reasons why I am so defensive about Ironwind Metals because for a long time it was really difficult to get Battletech books. And the one thing that was consistent was Iron Wind. You, know? mm-hmm. you could get the miniatures to play the game.
1: Well, not a lot of people still don't know about the the Reskulls or the Omnimex, the original 16 Omnimex that. What was yeah. it Chris Lewis that did it? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. did it all in CAD. Yeah. They, they were beautiful.
0: Yeah. You know? And I've, one of the things I've been working on is converting a Hellbringer to uh, Hellbringer B. Because um, I want to paint it up like the Chris Lewis. Not sorry the uh, Jeff laubenstein CCG card. So using the Chris Lewis uh, models from the Omnimec Gallery up on the BattleTech website using that to make the Hellbringer B. Um so I don't know if you can hear my cat. Yep. He's looking he's he's upset he can't join the party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just going to knock everything over. Um but, yeah, it, it, it's, it was nice back in a time and a day when there were those places and spaces to go to. It's different now. It feels like they're trying to come back, but there's not really stores, like, superly dedicated to it. You know, Magic, you know, Pokemon, that's easy, right? Because you just need a card table. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's much different now with, with Wargaming. And it does involve money. It does involve time and investment, but it doesn't involve nearly as much of investment as, like... You're into fishing and you got a bunch of expensive poles, or you want to all those tools you got for woodworking. Yeah, yeah. Or you, you want to rebuild classic cars or something. So it does involve a little bit of time and money, but uh, BattleTech's forgetting with that. It is. It is. Yeah, it, it, a hardcore collector like we are. Yeah. I mean, if you if you can find a place to play, that's probably the first place to start. That's the first step is finding that place to play and make it happen maybe it's even renting out a room in a library and you know advertising a gaming club yeah libraries do
1: that um you could probably even reach out to whoever the um youth librarian is because a lot of times um at at least at the joliet public library they have youth programs where they would do things like that i used to actually uh work for the joliet public library the downtown one yeah and one of the things i did want to do was like um, like side-by-side speed running with like old NES games oh, or nice. like nice. even nice. I think they had a youth D&D group for a little bit um, I ended up leaving before I could start like mm-hmm. a battle type thing like I wanted to because there were a couple kids interested but man yeah. we did like overnight lockdowns or we did paranormal investigating because like th- you know that building's super old yeah. so it, there's just there's a lot of stuff you can do with libraries I don't think libraries get a lot of a lot of credit that they yeah. deserve. It's one of my passionate subjects because I yeah. used to work for them. You know,
0: so, so it's definitely an option. Like you, you can find a place to play. It. I suppose it doesn't have to be a game store, although the game store seems to be the most natural one. Um, but you know what? Speaking of natural stuff, you know what else is natural, Dan? What's natural, Adam? The products and services that support this podcast, brought to you by QuickSell. <laughs> What's QuickSell been up to?
1: Running a mercenary unit can be hard. Losing mechs, Mac Mech warriors, dealing with ongoing expenses. It could be quite the headache. That's why our sponsor, Quicksell Company, has a deal for you. Right now, Quicksell is offering half off on all headsers. That's right, half off. That's a huge deal on a great combat vehicle. Got a dispossessed Mac warrior who knows how to drive? Get him or her a Hetzer. Need a quick solution for a rebel uprising? Hetzer! Trying to find that perfect gift for someone you love? Hetzer! Heck, do you need something to get you to and from work on time? Well, it won't be a Hetzer, but you could blow up that building. And Korinsky forbid there's any annoying traffic. So pick up that personal communicator and give Quicksell a call. Tell them the memory core sent you. If you want to assemble it yourself, they'll even throw in extra parts. Quixel is not responsible for any missing parts. And as always, remember, Quixel, we care about your money.
0: And we're back. So, what do you think about that products and services, Dan?
1: Mm, I, I've made some purchases with Quixel before. Yeah. You know, they're, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of bang for your buck yeah yeah um
0: <laughs>
1: they're actually and i'm not kidding my favorite manufacturer for the intersphere i love the fluff <laughs> yeah. i do own a lot of scorpions yeah i'm not gonna lie yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i got a bunch of stuff that's like manufactured by like QuickCell and universe so <laughs> um actually didn't QuickCell become like a, they were kind of like bulked up for uh the yeah. Project phoenix stuff they're they've actually become part of
1: Clan Jade Falcon, and oh. their factories factories, and they um, I can't think of the name of the tank. I'll I'll have to look it up again. But it's almost like a quad. It, it looks like a like a battle like ATV or something. Is
0: that so appropriate? Like you get like the lowest the low bar thing. It's like owned by a bunch of like fascio space communists. Yeah,
1: it would be the Falcons that own it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> especially in the Dark Age time, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah so yeah libraries uh, other public spaces that you can rent out maybe even like a rec room in a university I mean it's tough like what do you do you know like for us you know, we live in the neighborhood with the University of St. Francis here in Joliet and I'm pretty sure if we asked there, they, there might be something they could do like a, a public space that we can use as part of the community yeah. um, I know they've done that in the past for a couple different things um, especially probably during the summer when there's not a lot of students there but again if you're in a university maybe you start a game club maybe there are people who are part of a game club and you can join up and see hey do any of you guys play Battletech um, you do have to put yourself out there and uh, you know granted you know hobbyists on our end you know, sometimes are a little bit you know, introverted um, and maybe not willing to, to do a lot of that stuff but you kind of have to you, know, you, you have to start something if there's not a community there and hopefully you can find a bunch of like-minded people. You know, it's one of the things that, that boggles my mind is Joliet. The Joliet metro area is so big. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're right by Chicago. Like, Where's Joliet? Oh, we're just outside Chicago. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what it gets known for. That and the Blues Brothers, right? Yeah. Um, but it's so big that the fact that there isn't a game store that can support this anymore is baffling. Which means there's probably a lot of other people that are willing to get on board. You just got to make it happen and it's got to start with someone somewhere you think we could get a game in the old joliet prison
1: (laughs) there's probably a lot of lead-based paint in the old joliet prison hey lead minis why not yeah we're already used
0: to it we got enough brain damage (laughs) anyway (laughs) um so yeah 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 you 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 have to find a place to play you've got to put the work in you've got to put the effort in you got to kind of grind away at it and hopefully you can get there yeah. Yeah.
1: It was a good game we played too.
0: It was. Well, no, it wasn't. It was, it was a
1: good game for me. <laughs> it worked out for Peyton. He, he liked it.
0: <laughs> really quick. I'm going to pull up my calculator here. So, Dan has done this twice in a row in two games. You know? He's done it. It was the opening of the last game we played where he, he nailed my hunchback and did it again where he nailed my victor. With my elite pilot, tanking one third of the battle value I took, so <laughs> he rolled box cars twice in a row with a PPC, head capped me. Didn't you know? Didn't take away all the internals. Just broke through the armor. Roll for <laughs> criticals. Box car again, blowing off the head. That is taking thirty six and squaring it, a one. In one thousand two hundred and ninety-six chance, he did it twice. Twice
1: within a month, mind you. I, I like the first time I did it though; it was glorious because it was with the Clan large Pulse Laser. So that was like really taking salt and putting it <laughs> rubbing it in the wound. But yeah, the the second time with the Oss, that w- it was the um, the Ossal with the the dual PPCs.
0: Uh, b- bear in mind. The first time was against my Hunchback with Autocannon 20, and the second time was with my Victor with his Auto Cannon 20. <laughs> it,
1: it, the Hostel gets a lot of flack too, especially the dual PPC one. Um, but yeah, it, when you're excited, like he was so excited to get that game together, the smile was on his face, and then the minute that happened, you just see the smile just like, you, I saw the sinking feeling. I was like, dude, we can re-roll that if you want. I understand it. <laughs>
0: But I'm a principled man, and I said no. I was just close to being like, fuck it, start over again, all the way from the beginning. <laughs> it was round two. It was round two.
1: Which is when most combat rounds happen, like the, the second or third round, because you're, you're moving in the to get in the position, you know. <sighs> it was good for me. You know, it sucks when it happens to you, though.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, before we leave, before we close it out, I did want to take a moment to ask you guys, uh, you know, what's community like for you? What is? I mean, what does? Where is your game space? Is it a friendly local game store? Is it a library? Is it a rec center? Is, is it your house? Yeah, is it your friend's basement or something? Um, what does meetups look like? How many games do you play? Do you are you BattleTech specialists, or do you just play anything that you know has catches your eye? Um, Alpha Strike, you know, doesn't yeah. matter. yeah, um, you Succession know, Session Wars, is it, your, <laughs> is it is it your D and D group? Uh, you know, what what how and how did you get there? You know, what does your community look like? Where do you play? How did you get there? How easy did you find it to be to bring in new people? Um, when I started playing Pathfinder with friends up in Chicago, it was uh, a, a friend from college. We used to headbang to the sword at parties. we get drunk <laughs> and we would put on the sword and crank it up, you know? Um, good times. Uh, and he, when I got back from vet school, he was like, hey, do you want to join us, my my girlfriend's brother wants a dungeon master, a D and game, which ended up being Pathfinder. And do you want to join? And I was like, Hell yeah! <laughs> I'll even paint the miniatures for it. <laughs> um, and that's been something that's kind of you know fits and starts, but you know it, it grew organically over time, and then it shrank, and then it grew, and then it shrank. Um, but it's it's been self-sustaining. Like we still play, uh, and so it's you kind of know somebody that you invite along that may be open to it. And you see, and if it doesn't work out, it's frustrating. But don't get discouraged, you know? And it just didn't work out. And that's okay. You just find somebody else. Man, I, keep... I was in a
1: Battletech rut. Like, I, I wasn't doing anything until Adam, you messaged me on the, the Battletech forums. Yeah. You know, I just ended up, I forgot what threat it was in. I was participating in something for a little bit. And you were like, hold up. You live in Joliet? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You know, and it well, was all downhill from there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Is you know the the, <coughs> the official BattleTech forum um, kind of gets a lot of a lot of slack. It's maybe not as active as it could be, which is a bit of a shame um, because it, it doesn't have the uh, it's not the social media dumpster fire that like Facebook is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, it, like, like you know, Twitter doesn't really have the same feeling um, as say like Facebook. Um, and there used to be a lot more BattleTech fora available, um, but yeah, you know, they've kind of you know died out, they've disappeared. Um, but the the official forum is still a really good place to go and meet people, and, and hopefully you can connect with people in your area. I know there's what Fraggle, he's yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know we've been talking about trying to get to meet up. I have radio. Yeah, so you know hopefully we can do a get together and, and just maybe even just meet up for like a beer or food, and then and then plan a game out after that. Um, you gotta put yourself out there, you know, and you gotta kind of chip away at it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what is it like for you guys? Put it down in the comments. You know, what what what, what does it look like? What did it look like? What do you want it to look like? Um, what would you hope for? Um, yeah, I mean, we could sit here and talk
1: about it all day, but, like, we can't be the end-all be-all for advice. I mean, yeah. everybody has a different experience yeah. based on where they live, you know. Yeah. So it, I, I would like to see some participation in our our comment section Maybe we will actually read it this time i'm just kidding we we do read our our comments well we don't get a lot of comments so it's
0: easy to keep track of it. it is for now (laughs) i will try my best (laughs) so yeah guys that was our video on community uh you know i hope it helped to answer some questions i think unfortunately a lot of it is common sense there's just no way to cheat it and maybe you just need to hear you can't cheat it you got to put the effort in
1: we're all good dudes who want to play good games, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's get yes. some more ladies in this, too. Come on.
0: Well, that's the thing, too. You know, Battletech is a bit of a sausage fest. Um, a lot of historical wargaming is a bit of a sausage fest. And they actually discussed that in Little Wars TV. They did a bit on that. And the other, the funny thing is, like, I don't actually play a lot of historical wargaming. It's just yeah. the algorithm kind of pointing that direction. I mean, I would love to do some of that stuff. It's just, again, time and investment. Who am I going to play with? You know, especially like, am I going to find the miniatures I want? Because one of the things about Battletech is that they're not too worried about WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Yeah. People throw crap at Warhammer for that. And I mean, maybe rightly so, but at the same time, historical wargaming has always been kind of wig. Like, you got to get like five books to figure out how to paint your miniatures. You maybe have to do a little bit of modification to give them the weapons you want so that everyone understands what they're looking at on the field. Um, so it is a bit a bit different, and a lot of that probably bleeds over from what used to exist before Warhammer.
1: That would go a long way towards your community building, man. I yeah. mean, we you could put a quarter on the table as long as you know what it is. Any yeah. BattleTech person would be fine. The exception, I guess, would be Alpha Strike because you kind of need the if you're playing with terrain, like, a miniature or something for scale. Yeah, but you can use a chess Xbox for that even.
0: Yeah, I mean, what well, I mean. One of the things about playing with 3D terrain is that you know, how you position your mech and, and how you obscure it affects um, what can actually be targeted. You know? for, it used to be way back in the day, actually in this compendium, they change it for Master Rules or they change it for Total Warfare? What I, what I mean by that is like partial cover. You know, it used to be that it was like a plus three to hit with partial cover, but wait for legs are um, you know, hidden, but then you roll on the punch location table. And that plus three to hit could be, you know, pretty hard Mm -hmm. to get past, but then it's only a one in six chance to head cap. Um, Now it is, it's a plus one to hit, but if you roll a leg location, it does nothing. Mm -hmm. So with the, uh, with terrain rules, you know, if your mech is positioned such a way that like maybe you've obscured the legs and the right arm, it's a plus one to hit, but you roll any of those locations, you're just hitting terrain, you're not doing any damage. And that's where that uh, really comes into play as important. They actually include like cardboard standees with kind of like a rough mech silhouette if you need to do that. Which was, you know, good of Catalyst to do. Uh,
1: Yeah, they had a release for Alpha Strike, I think, that kind of has like an outline you can use if you don't have. Because, you know, the miniatures, they weren't really like especially... uh, like, a, the early Ironwind miniatures. Yeah. Maybe not the first one, but, like, the, the second one. People want to do, like, was, a lot of posing and stuff. Yeah, yes. the scale's a little a little weird with them, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, that's something I, I, I kind of want to do is like flip through the old Ralph Partha um, uh, catalogs and show, like, there's that sort of transition era of the, the late 90s and early 2000s when kind of scale was a bit of an issue. In the original, like, the, the, the 80s line, uh, from like 85 to 90. Like the scale is very consistent. It was a small group of artists and they're all kind of working together. And that's something we can flip through it. And so like how closely everything matched. And we kind of get to like the 3055 era. Things get a little bit wonky. Um, I think they got, they pulled it back with 3058 and they got bad again, especially with uh, like the targe from like the, the field manuals. Yeah. Um, and the 3060 TRO. Um, But yeah, that's. I mean, again, it's a little bit of a digression there. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I want to hear, want to hear from you guys. Yeah, let's hear it. I'm listening right now. Yeah, Yeah. do it. And so, in the uh, the comments section or or in the uh, the Discord, the video description, Dan's gonna put the link to the Discord. Feel free to join us. you know, we... Uh, we do participate in it. Yeah, it's been a little quiet recently, but then again, we haven't put out much because we've been busy. So hopefully it's going to be more of a regular thing. Plus, we got new microphones. So I we know. don't sound like shit anymore. <laughs> huh? Cool. Well, you guys take care, and we will see you later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bye. <laughs> So, they went pretty good. Yeah. Do you uh? You want to talk about the Pardo thing?
1: Oh man, do we do we have to?
0: Yeah. You're right.
1: Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck him.
0: Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him.
1: Not worth it.